Hello, everybody, and welcome to the MACD Career Conversations podcast, where we talk to career people about their careers. My name is David Driver, and today my guest is Linda Pito. Linda, welcome to the show. Well, thank you so much, David. It's it's a pleasure to be here, and I'm super excited to, to talk to you today. Yeah, I got a lot of great questions I want to ask you, if I do say so myself. Uh, but before we get to any of that, let's start with your current job and where you're working and some of your major duties. I have had a, a transition over the last year uh, where I was working uh, at the University of Manitoba as a, a career educator, career coach. I had been there for 13 years. I had started off in career services and then went over to the Faculty of Engineering. Um, had a wonderful opportunity to, to work with um, in post-secondary and work with young people. And last August, I decided that I was going to move on into a, a new space, have some more flexibility, have the opportunity to um, maybe have more control over my, my time. I, I have a new grandson. So that was really a, a fun thing to think about having, you know, some flexibility in my, my days and my time. So I started, well, I, I had my own business for a number of years, but I really shifted from, you know, working for the University of Manitoba into working um, for myself in my company called Transitions by Design. So I've transitioned and my company <laughs> is Transitions by Design. There you go. <laughs> Excellent. So before we get to all of that, uh, let's start from the very, very beginning. So Linda, where were you born? I was born in Winnipeg. Okay. I, uh, I was one of uh, five, five children. And uh, yeah, and all my siblings are still in Winnipeg, which I think is, uh, is pretty unique. And, and uh, it's nice to have family here. Yeah. And that's all by design? As you would say, is that a, a distinct choice to all stay in Winnipeg, or is that just it just happened that way? Or, well, I think um, I think it is by choice. Uh, you know, certainly, I think Winnipeg, we've got lots of connections. Uh, I think once you start to establish your family, and and even with my family, uh, Daryl and I have two children. I think Winnipeg's a great place to live and uh, have a sense of family and and have a lifestyle that that is pretty pretty sweet. Um, and my kids, they're very solidly placed in Winnipeg and and want to be here as well. So I'm super yeah. happy about that. Yeah, it's hard to leave. I would agree. Yeah. <laughs> so growing up, Linda, did you ever have an idea of what you wanted to be? Did you ever have any sort of I, you know, fantasies, any sort of like solid ideas, like as a kid, as a teenager, was there any really solid career ideas that you had for yourself or you were one of those people growing up, you had no idea what you wanted to do? Kind of a little bit of both. I think when I was really young, I absolutely loved animals, any kind of animals. In fact, you know, I, we had a cottage down at, at uh, in the Kenora area and I remember bringing home a leech that I wanted the leech to be my pet. So that's how ridiculously, <laughs> like who would oh really my. want a leech? <laughs> oh no. Um, so I, I really, you know, envisioned myself as, you know, someone who would work in a zoo or, you know, had sort of some close connections with animals. But then as I, as I uh, grew up and, and started to, you know, have some, some, more concrete ideas, particularly as I went into high school and then was thinking about, uh, you know, after high school, what to do. 
I think I, I was really unclear and I was really un unsure about what that would look like. Um, I received a scholarship to go to the University of, of Winnipeg as I graduated out of um, grade 12. And um, that experience at, at the University of Winnipeg was, I, I don't think, unique um, in, with respect to landing in, in post-secondary, um, taking intro to psychology, intro to political science, intro to, I, I kind of remember all the intros, <laughs> and thinking, I, I don't know why I'm here. And I lost um, kind of my mojo mm -hmm. to be able to kind of rationalize kind of what I was doing. And I ended up, I, I had worked at Eaton's for about five years, putting myself kind of as a part-time job through, you know, um, through high school and then um, at university. And I really enjoyed business. So uh, I had two brothers that went through the business administration program at Red River and thought, well, that seems a lot more practical and it seems like there's some focus. And so anyways, I ended up um, going to Red River and took the business administration diploma, two-year diploma um, through that and, and specialized in marketing. Oh, okay. And that was a, a two-year program? It was a two-year program. Yeah. Yep. So what was the big idea after that? So you graduate from Red River College. Did you have any solid idea of how you wanted to apply it exactly or... Well, I, I really was interested in marketing and um, I graduated, I don't know, it seems like I always kind of hit the, the downturns in, in the economy where I, it, was, um, it was a recession. <laughs> and, you know, I, I, I had big hopes and dreams and then, you know, graduated and, and the, the economy kind of sucked. Um, but I got a job actually working for Cotter Canada. They were involved in uh, they were a distributor for True Value Hardware across Canada, okay. and I got a job in their advertising department, um, which which really kind of suited me in terms of the marketing aspect and 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 thinking about uh, marketing and advertising. So that was kind of my first job that that laid the foundation, I think, for my career for a number of years moving forward in marketing, sales account management, that kind of thing. Wow. I've talked to so many people on the show so far, and none of them have had a business background. This is fascinating. So oh. <laughs> how long were you in this field for? So I had I, I had a really incredible career in, in business um, where I worked for a video distributor out of my house, uh, which was, you know, at that time working remotely, that was pretty unique. The, the distributor was out of Toronto and I, I worked in, uh, in video. So, so basically I sold for companies like Disney, Paramount, that kind of thing. And um, it was a wonderful opportunity to, to, to be at home, be a mom, help my children kind of transition and do what they need to, to do to, to, to grow up and be there for lunches and that kind of thing. Um, but there got to be a point where I just really needed to get out. Like I, I, I felt like I was being a little bit contained and, and stifled in mm. being at home. So I transitioned and started to work uh, in sales, in business development and sales uh, for a local company here that uh, I started off with selling tiles 
like mm-hmm. commercial tiles and with uh, to interior designers and architects, helping them spec our product in, in some of the projects that they're working at. And then got wooed over to another company that needed someone to do the same thing in another, another product line. And I would say in about my late 30s, early 40s, I had a value crisis. <laughs> and it was pretty clear what was going on where, you know, you know that you're, there's something needs to change when mm-hmm. um, you realize that you, you don't really, you don't really care if someone buys your stuff or not. Like oh. it was just like, it was a bad, it was a bad spot. <laughs> Especially as a sales and business development person, like it, I just, I don't know, stuff, stuff started to not make hold value for me. Mm-hmm. And I really, I, I really wanted to help people. And there was a real shift in, in my thoughts about what I wanted to do in the world and, and how I could contribute to the world. And it really shifted from selling stuff to mm-hmm. working more helping people. Yeah. There's a phrase that someone told me long ago, and I'll never forget how they phrased this, but uh, someone quit their job and I asked them why. And they said, it wasn't giving me life. Yeah. And that is such a perfect way of putting it. And I've never forgot how they phrased that, but that is just the perfect way to sum it up where it just wasn't, it, w- it wasn't giving me life. It wasn't doing it for me. Like, I think that's just such a perfect phrasing. So it sounds like that is kind of what happened to you. It just wasn't clicking anymore. Yeah, yeah, no, exactly. And, and, you know, I, I was pretty fortunate. I, you know, appreciate my, my husband who would just say, well, gosh, if it's not working, you know, like, you got to figure it out. And, um, and I, I had a hard time figuring it out. And, and, you know, part of the reason I think it's funny to be looking at sort of my career over the last 40 years, and to think about what I do now, I often will will think about I've I've become the person that I wish I had had when I was 40 years old, like confused, mm-hmm. didn't know what to do, stuck. And I didn't know how to get unstuck. Like it was just a, a very lonely time, but knew that I couldn't continue doing what I was doing. Yeah. That's so funny how that seems like a very pandemic related topic. Like what year was this? Um, so this would have been in like the year 2000, somewhere mm-hmm. around there. Yeah. yeah I, I think a lot of people, you know, in the past few years have probably felt the exact same way. In exactly the way that you phrased it too. I'm home all the time. I'm stuck. I'm not yeah. feeling, I'm not feeling, uh, you know, the position anymore. Uh, how do I transition out of this? How do I change things? And that's one of the things, I guess we'll talk about this in a little bit too, but one yeah. of the great things about the pandemic is how do people get out of these situations? <laughs> you yeah. don't have to yeah. be in the situation. Yeah, no, for sure. And I, I, my company, uh, you know, is, is very thoughtfully named Transitions by Design, because I have gone through numbers of a number of transitions in my own career and, and kind of reevaluated, rethought, um, repositioned myself, reeducated myself. And, and I think all of those things, um, I have a lot of empathy for people that are stuck, because um, I've, I've felt exactly that this in the same place. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So you're thinking of a new life somewhere. 
<laughs> a new yeah. position somewhere. Is this where the U of M comes in or what, what's next for you? No, no. So this is like, I had a, I had another step that before the U of M. So, so I was trying to figure out how I could help. So, so I did a couple of things that transitioned me. Um, I had a couple of uh, positions that transitioned me to U of M. The first one is I started my own business. It started uh, with having coffee with a girlfriend who said, you know, you're such a great business developer. You're such a good salesperson. Like you would be so good helping artists, local artists, sell their work to architects and interior designers because that, you know, those people, like you've just come out of a, a, a whole field that you've had those relationships. And I was like, Oh, that's kind of interesting. You know, artists need help. I, 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 I've always appreciated art and I've always kind of um, appreciated how hard it is to market yourself. And so I thought, gosh, I, I could maybe do that. So I started a company called Prairie Artscape and I was able to have a, a fabulous collection of local artists that I represented. And I went and contacted all of my architects and interior designers that I knew um, and started to, to, to really market the local talent here in Winnipeg with the hopes that they would spec or get original artwork into their commercial or residential clients. Wow. And how was that experience? Because that seems completely different. But again, it sounds like that's what you were looking for. Yeah, yeah. And so, you know, looking back, there's a certain thread in terms of advertising, marketing, business development, right? Um, I already knew architects and interior designers. Um, I didn't really know the art world, but you know, these darn artists were so generous and so helpful and, and kind of helping me understand their work. So I did that for a couple of years and um, it was really incredible. I have a total new respect for artists in, in, from the business perspective, gosh, those, those folks, um, you know, I almost liken it to, it's not a choice. It's almost like they, they are artists because they need to be artists. Like they're just so driven to, mm -hmm. to be creative and, and do their work. I had some really awesome projects that I worked on. And one of the projects that I worked on was um, the Inn at the Forks was being built at that time. And I had a close relationship with Smith Carter um, and the interior designers at Smith Carter. And I uh, proposed, they wanted original artwork in that building. And I proposed uh, a collection of artists and they ended up accepting all of them. And one of them uh, was Sharon Corey, who painted 250 original watercolors to go in every darn room of that hotel. Wow. And I don't know if you can appreciate painting 250 watercolors. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> easier said than done, I think. Yeah. And the criteria, which I think was so cool, is that it had to be within, uh, I think it was six kilometers or maybe even four kilometers of the forks. So it had to be kind of representing the area from around the inn at the forks. Mm -hmm. And yeah, and so she was like, an amazing artist, watercolor artist. And um, 
I had, you know, a tile artist that we, uh, Fleur McLaughlin, who installed uh, a beautiful tile uh, mosaic in the front lobby. Andrew Giffen was another local artist that they had purchased some of his artwork. Um, I had Eva Tarzier, who was a printmaker, and she did some fabulous work in their dining room. So that was pretty fun and exciting. Um, and I have to say, working with the Sparrow family, like hats off to them, because they were totally supportive of the whole project and, and so encouraging. And yeah, so that was a super, super fun project. But being in that world, um, it's hard to sell artwork. <laughs> and so I had children that needed braces and I had children that had needs. <laughs> so I had a lot of fun for a couple of years, but it, it kind of got to the point where it's like, okay, maybe I need to sort of get a little bit more, um, yeah, more of a, a consistent salary. Mm -hmm. That's... Do you ever look back on that whole experience? This whole thing came from one conversation you had with a friend. Yeah. And yeah. I don't know if that was her goal where she was trying, trying to persuade you into a certain field, or did you just take that conversation to heart and think, yes, this is exactly what I need. But it's always so powerful, that concept of just having a single conversation with someone to show you the, your, your own blind spots. Can just yeah. down a, a complete, Do you ever reflect on that at all? Okay, so the thing I reflect on is I am the most curious person that you will ever meet. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't know, I just, I, I'm, there must be a part of me that is, is, you know, has that entrepreneurial risk taking, like, I don't know, let's try it yeah. kind of philosophy. And, um, and I think the next opportunity that I had when I needed a kind of a, a more of a consistent gig will show you a little bit about kind of the next part of my curiosity and how I landed at U of M. Mm -hmm. So kids was, need braces. Yeah, the kids need braces. I need to get more consistent income. And um, yeah, and, and we need to, but it was like, okay, so now what do I do? And I grew up in a family of five. Um, my older sister has, she's three years older than me, and she has an intellectual disability. And she has struggled with work her whole entire life, trying to, you know, find a place and, and, and you know, hats off to her. She had some, you know, worked with some great employers. Sometimes that would end, then she would be looking for another job. It was very difficult for her to, to kind of maintain work. And there was a posting that was in the newspaper um, that working for a company called Connect Employment Services, and they're what we call a supported employment agency. They supported people with intellectual disabilities, and they needed someone, they called it a job developer which is business development. And they needed someone to go out in the community and help connect their clients with job opportunities. And I thought, well, gosh, that's helping. <laughs> and I could do that. And I, I kind of understand the intellectual disability, you know, just from my, my own personal experience with my, with my sister. Mm -hmm. So I interviewed and I got hired on and I spent five years at Connect Employment Services, uh, which again was a really interesting, it was helping people, it was making a difference, it was connecting with business uh, organizations, you know, some 
pub, public um, institutions, um, really helping develop opportunities for people that um, had barriers to employment. Mm -hmm. And had you ever thought about career before as a profession before this point, or is it just a complete blind spot for you? Well, okay. Looking back and you know how reflection is such an interesting beast. I was obsessed with the, the Winnipeg, the Saturday Winnipeg free press would come. Yeah, the career section. And I loved the career section. And I would look at all the, I was so curious about what people did and how people did it. <laughs> <laughs> the best part of the newspaper is the want to. I would, yeah. I would be so, and this was like at a young age, like I'm talking, you know, in my junior high, high school, right? Like I was just so curious. And so I had never really thought about it and then ended up at Career uh, uh, Connect Employment Services. And the weirdest thing happened where I had, I think I had been there for about three and a half years and I had been working with someone on uh, a client on their resume. And I had a mom phone the executive director and say that like, what the heck is someone doing with helping their you know, their, their child or their, their loved one with a resume. Cause they thought it sucked. <laughs> and so then we were like, well, I don't know, maybe we need to have some credentials behind like, you know, so that we have some, uh, we can come back and say, well, we've gone through a program, a course, whatever. And so, you know, where this is leading, mm-hmm. where I reached out, um, and I thought, well, where do you get this training? And I, you know, found the Winnipeg Transition Center, offered mm-hmm. their career and employment post certificate through the University of Winnipeg. So proposed that to our executive director. And I wasn't really the resume person, but we had a staff meeting and, you know, we we're talking about this, this mom and how we needed to maybe beef up our credentials. And so she offered this course to everyone in the room. And, you know, there was quite a few people and everybody thought, like, I don't want to do that. And so I was kind of the short straw person. I put up my hand and said, well, I guess I could do that. (laughs) (laughs) So anyways, I ended up (laughs) going to that course and, you know, did the first section. And honestly, it was like a, a, a lightning bolt went off where I was in the room going, oh my God, I was so interested in facilitation. I was so interested in the topic. I was so interested in, in conversations mm-hmm. with other people. And I just, it, it became like, oh my gosh, I think this is it. Yeah. I think that was the first time. It's very funny with resumes. Cause I feel like it's one of the nerdiest parts about me. It's just resumes are just so fascinating. Yeah. There's so many aspects of it. There's so many layers to it. There's, you know, the design of it, how, when someone puts their own thoughts on paper, how someone like, as you would know, markets themselves, advertises themselves. Uh, it's just so fascinating. And I, I kind of agree where, yeah, I think a lot of people would see a resume and be like, I don't want to, resumes are boring. They're, they're dumb. They're stupid. Like, I don't want to be involved in it, but I think there, yeah, that course at Winnipeg Transition Center specifically like showed me like, oh, these resumes are like, it's actually a pretty fascinating thing, honestly. Yeah. And I, I, to this day, I call them strategic documents, marketing documents, yeah. like, yeah. right. Like it, there's so much strategy and, and, you know, trying to sort of, yeah position yourself the branding like everything i just find it it's super cool and i i absolutely love it 
Yeah. Um, you know, and, and that thread going through my whole being is marketing, <laughs> marketing, yeah. right? Like, and, and so, yeah, it's just sort of interesting how that course. So, so anyways, I, I, I took, I wasn't even finished the last module when I had just been online looking at jobs, of course, cause I, I was so curious and there was a job at the university of Manitoba that popped up in career services. And I thought, well, gosh, I, I should apply for that. And of course I, I had all this new knowledge um, in terms of my resume and redevelop my resume. I had no facilitation uh, like experience. I had mm -hmm. never facilitated before, but I thought, well, what the heck, you know, I should just apply. And people thought I was crazy because I, of course I didn't have a university degree. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, right? some intro courses. And, Let's not get crazy here. Yet intro okay, courses. but I didn't have a degree. And <laughs> just coming from post-secondary, like the degree is everything. Yes, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, so I got called for an interview and um I had they had they asked me to do a presentation that I was terrified because I'd never really presented anything before. But I had this creative you know, mind. And, you know, of course I, I, I did something totally outside the box and, um, you know, had this great experience in the interview that included a fire drill. <laughs> okay. <laughs> the fire alarm went every, off. Every, of course... every facilitator's worst nightmare. <laughs> and it was actually during my presentation so it, you know it was a little bit funny because you know you're right like you have to be <laughs> you have to be prepared for murphy's law mm -hmm. <laughs> but um anyways it, it did give me this really unique opportunity to have to stand with my hiring committee you know for 20 minutes or half an hour while they tried to get everybody back into the office <laughs> um and Anyways, lo and behold, they ended up, I ended up getting the job. So that was kind of my first, um, you know, ex my first foot in the door in post-secondary. I worked with incredible people. Um, you know, some of them, we both have, you know, Marnie Grandeveld or Marnie Bickerton. And, you know, I, I was mentored. Uh, David Ness was my boss, like amazing amazing mentors and, and, and support people. And uh, anyways, kind of learned my way through kind of what I need to do and realized I love facilitating and mm -hmm. the opportunity to work with young people and do this important work. Like it, it was just, it was just an incredible experience for sure. Mm -hmm. So how long were you in general U of M career services and how long were you in engineering? Yeah. So I was in, um, I was in career services for, I think, six or seven years. And then, you know, there's lots of changes that happened. And I, um, I had always worked in the for engineering. So we, we kind of, when we were in career services, we tried to specialize in particular faculties just so that we would get to know employers and yep. kind of help students. Um, and I always supported the faculty of engineering. And so, um, you know, there was an opportunity. Uh, they were very, very supportive and of um, career education embedded in their courses. And so when I was in career services, they would have me come into actual 
classes, you know, do first year classes. I did a presentation called Your Career Starts Here, trying to get, you know, young people thinking about it's not at the end of their po their, their post-secondary experience that their career starts, but they have the opportunity to right away start to think about experiences, start to, you know, have some experiential learning opportunities and really trying to get, um, you know, young people thinking earlier about kind of what's next. Yeah. And um, yeah, so, you know, another fellow in the faculty of engineering that was in, really important to me was Doug Ruth. Um, he has, you know, just recently passed on, but he was just such a, he was such a um, cheerleader. You know, he knew that this was really important work and, you know, just to really appreciate it. And he really, I think him, um, like he was really imperative along with Carolyn Getter to pull me over into the faculty of engineering and, yeah. and really start to kind of develop some of that career education within that faculty. Yeah. And did you find the needs of the general university population versus the specific engineering students? Did you ever see, did the engineering students need different things than the general career pop, uh, the university population, or was it more similar? Yeah, I, I think that, you know, similar to my experience when I was in, in kind of that first year arts program, I think the value, it's harder to make connections between what you're learning and kind of what you want to do. I think in the faculty of engineering, because it's a professional faculty, similar to the Asper School of Business, I think, you know, it's just implied that if you're in the faculty, you're going to be an engineer, mm -hmm, right? Sure. And so I think, I think that is somewhat easier because I, I think not knowing what you don't want to, not knowing what's next is sometimes hard for young people. For sure. Um, and having goals when you are going to post-secondary so that you can, you can, you know, this whole um, reason why is, is kind of answered. And I think that sometimes post-secondary, it's hard for people to really engage when they don't know why. Yeah. Like and why they're there. I think you're in a good position there because I'm assuming that you really thought back to your own experience at university and you could maybe even recognize those feelings in yourself, but also see those feelings in other students as well. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. For sure. So, um, yeah, so the faculty of engineering, you know, it was, uh, I think really a leader in career at the university of Manitoba. They were really interested in trying stuff, exploring different ways of kind of helping students make connections between what they're doing and, and where they're going. Yeah, so I, I really valued that experience for sure. One of the things that I appreciated about being in the faculty was the opportunity to do some professional development. I, in my role in the faculty, I often had to go out on site visits and visit students in their, their place of business. And one day I was uh, driving, listening to CBC, and there was a, a radio show on called Spark. Mm -hmm, that yeah. um, they were talking to these two engineers out of Stanford about a book that they had written called Designing Your Life. And when I started to hear these guys kind of talk about their book, I was super excited because it was really interesting how closely it related to my own beliefs and practice. But it used some language that I thought was really 
helpful for young people. And I got really curious about that, um, what they were talking about in terms of a framework called design thinking. So that um, led me to really kind of think about design thinking and how we could really maybe leverage that framework to help to help young people. And I approached our dean in the Faculty of Engineering about the opportunity to go down and learn more about it uh, and actually be certified as a Designing Your Life coach uh, in San Francisco. And that happened in the summer of 2018, which mm. was a uh, was really an incredible experience. Yeah. I have read Design Your Life and I literally just finished Design Your Work Life. So I'm um, I'm right there with you in terms of just very fascinating concepts. And again, concepts that we don't talk about a lot where like to your point before in your career, feeling stuck, feeling unsure, not really knowing what to do next or what to do now. I would definitely really recommend those books for providing some insight, having some activities, but the training, was it similar to what they mm -hmm. teach in the books? But I don't know if you want to describe a little bit more in terms of the concepts for those who may not be familiar. Yeah, no, for sure. Um, so it was a gathering in San Francisco. There was people from literally all over the world. Um, and designing your life program is huge in the States, um, particularly in post-secondary. So yeah, the opportunity to, to really dig into the material, uh, we did a lot of application of how you would work with a client um, using the design thinking model and using some of the exercises from designing your life from the book. So yeah, it was just a really incredible experience where I came back really pumped, full of ideas and, and thinking about how we could integrate this into the University of Manitoba, um, but realized that I was kind of a lone wolf on campus where <laughs> I was really, you know, I, I really understood and I was really uh, interested in the material, but it's really hard to do that by yourself. Anyways, I came back to the faculty and talked to two other women in the faculty about perhaps going back for additional training that was really focused on bringing the curriculum of Design Your Life back to a, a university as a team. And so in the summer of 2019, I went back with two uh, really talented women from the Faculty of Engineering. And long and the short of it is that we came back, we integrated it into a grad course, we taught a grad course, and then of course, COVID hit. Yes. <laughs> um, and so you know, for me as a facilitator that was really interested in connection and relationships, uh, being online was really painful. Mm -hmm. And I, I just, you know, kind of stuck it out for a couple of years, but, you know, really the transitions by design started to, to look more and more appealing to be able to do things on my own, um, in, you know, kind of the, the winter of, uh, I guess it would have been 2021. Mm -hmm. So transitions by design has been awesome. You know, I, I love the flexibility that I'm able to have uh, working with clients. I actually uh, support that business by being a contractor for a company out of Ottawa called CareerJoy. And what I appreciate about working at CareerJoy is that they do all the back end, they do the marketing, they do the invoicing, they do, you know, kind of the, 
getting the clients, which as, um, you know, someone who just operates transitions by design, that's really tough work. And it really takes away from my ability to just do what I love, which is career coaching. Yeah. So I, I mean, I do it, but I, (laughs) I do it very limited. Um, And, you know, I have really appreciated working with someone who, who uh, like CareerJoy, and I love their programming because I, I think it really fits with my philosophy, but I get to work with clients right across Canada and, you know, right from the students that are kind of wondering what to do in post-secondary to the professionals or, you know, the, the people that are, are looking at retiring, but want a part-time gig and, and trying to figure out what that looks like. So, you know, really fortunate to have that, that diversity and that breadth of practice um, through both my own company and career joy. Awesome. So you see all different kinds of people, young, old, uh, different stages of their careers. Yeah. Awesome. So if somebody wanted to get a hold of you, Linda, and uh, ask more questions or uh, inquire even about your services, what was the best way to get a hold of you? Mm-hmm. So I have a website. Um, it's called transitionsbydesign.ca. And um, information about who I am and, and what I do is is certainly there and a way to contact me. So that would be the best place to, to connect. Excellent. Thank you so much, Linda. It was excellent talking to you today. But before we go, uh, we do have a tradition on the show. It is impossible trivia time. Are you ready? Okay, go for it. All right, Linda. So are, have you ever watched Miss America before? Oh, gosh. Yes. Yes. <laughs> I was doing research for it. Apparently, it's over 100 years old, this competition. I had no idea. Um, and I can't remember if I've ever watched it, but it's over 100 years old now. Well, um, yeah, and I, I want to qualify it. It was probably about 30 years ago that I watched <laughs> it, or maybe 40 years ago, or I don't know, maybe 50 years ago. <laughs> I'm not even sure if it's televised anymore, to be quite honest with you. I, I, I completely forgot it existed. But but history was made in 2020 when the Miss America winner was the first to win the competition without her talent being either singing, dancing, or playing an instrument. So, Linda, your impossible trivia question, what was Miss America's winning talent in 2020? Debating. Debating. Wikipedia tells me it's a chemistry demonstration. <laughs> a chemistry demonstration was her winning talent. And it well, was, I, I love that. I, I think it was crazy to see that. Like every single winner was either singing, dancing, or playing an instrument up until a hundred years later when someone finally decided to do something different. So thank you so much, Linda, and have a great rest of your day. Yeah, thanks, David. Great to chat. Bye-bye. For more information on MACD, including professional development, conferences, and other opportunities, please visit our website at www.macd-mb.org.